0: I am Dr. Daniela Point, and my co-host is Dr. Dustin Smith. Welcome to Paradox Untold Stories from Athletic Directors. We're excited to be back this week with a new guest. Um, it is this week, it is Brittany Spencer Grant. How are you doing Brittany? I'm great, looking forward to today. Awesome. Um, we are brought to you by Ticket Spigot, the official ticketing partner of the NIAAA. Thank you to Spigot for all they do for us and to make this possible, So, Dustin, are you ready to introduce our guest? Let's dive right into it.
1: I I am ready. You know, I was thinking about um, the movie uh, Christmas Vacation. And you know Cousin Eddie in that, who kind of shows up and just kind of lingers around and just kind of is a burden. Well, that's what I feel like to our guest today. Uh, We got, for the last year, we spent... um, one night a month together, um, and I learned. I grew. Um, I think Brittany's back, maybe hurting from carrying the cohort that whole time. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm cousin Eddie to Brittany. Um, I'm I'm just like uh, she's Clark Griswold, and I'm cousin Eddie. Uh, but man, I'm excited to have Brittany Spencer Grant on here with us. Uh, Brittany is an AD up in Wisconsin. We'll talk about location. We'll talk about Uh, the cohort throughout this process. But Brittany, I'm excited to have you on here. I've looked forward to this episode, much like I look forward to learning from you in our cohort um, and spending that year getting to know you and getting to see your heart and see your vision and see you as an athletic administrator. So I'm excited to have you and welcome you to the show.
0: Well, thank you. That was a lot of hype. I will try to live up to part of it.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you got more hyped or I did. I <laughs> think I'm more of a burden to you, but that that's okay. I'm good with being Cousin Eddie. Um, but let's let's start off, Brittany, with talking about what a resume is not going to tell us about who Brittany is. Tell us about likes, things you do, your history. What, what makes Brittany Spencer Grant Brittany Spencer Grant?
0: Well, I'm a mom, so a lot of what I do outside of school is kind of surrounded by my kids and what they may be involved in. Um, Right now, I am living the Girl Scout cookie mom role as we've got (laughs) a few days left of sales, so my house has been taken over by cookies. Um, I'm still an athlete, so I'm actually still playing hockey and soccer, kind of somewhat competitively in some adult leagues. The ultimate goal is to always not get injured. Wins are nicest, but who really cares, right? It's for the workout. Um, you know, I, I'm a lifelong learner, so I'm always trying to, you know, do extra stuff to make myself better, whether it's in my role as AD or, you know, at home or wherever it might be. So those are kind of some of my biggies right now that you would find on my resume.
1: So you said kind of competitive hockey. What does that really look like for a guy in Arkansas that doesn't have hockey, period? What does kind of competitive hockey look like?
0: So we actually play, there's a rink here in the Madison area. It's called the studio rink. So it's a smaller rink. So we play in a three-on-three league out at that rink. And it is an ultra-fast-paced league. I'm playing with several former Badgers, so I am a step below them, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am just out there in awe as we play together. So we have a team of mostly all women, and we play against pretty much all men. And so it's just such a fun experience to be out there and to get to play a super fast paced version of the game of hockey because it's just back and forth all game long. You play it off everything. If the puck hits the ceiling, you keep playing. If the puck, you know, ricochets off the wall, you keep playing. Um, So there's not necessarily boards on the sides on this like miniature ring.
1: So is it, (laughs) this is just where my mind goes. Is it like roller derby on ice skates? Kind of.
0: Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a, there's a few rules, you know, that are unique to the smaller version of the game. Like, you can't take slap shots, and it's supposed to be no contact, which the women's game is always supposed to be no checking, but there's still body contact. Um, so, we'll kind of, you know, nudge someone into the wall from time to time, and usually the the guy that we're hitting is, oh, sorry, and we're like, no, nah, that was us. Like, we did it on purpose. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I believe played- <laughs> I played a um, sport in, in college that was just directly called broomball. And it sounds similar to that, except obviously it's just the ball instead of the puck. But and the stick's a little different. But other than that, it sounds very similar to like that type of thing. And that was literally my funnest, like I loved playing those nights. It was so fun. Yeah, I have not, I do not personally have experience with broomball, but I know some schools here locally teach it as part of their Fiad curriculum. Yeah. That's cool. That's a fun. That's a fun sport to play. Well, I have zero
1: experience with hockey, other than watching it on TV and know what a shift change is or a line change. Um, you know, but I I know for sure that I will not be trying to check you at any time when I see you at the national convention or anything because there may be ramifications for that, and it may not work out well for me. <laughs> Notice, like, notice how
0: Brittany isn't. Notice how Brittany's not saying she's not going to check you though. Right. <laughs> no promises. <laughs> Brittany, make sure if I'm there are... when you decide to do that. Okay, I want to see it.
1: <laughs> so when you talk about being around Madison and be around the University of Wisconsin and some former Badgers. Uh, let's give a geography lesson to those who might be listening to where exactly you are. You're at Oregon High School, um, and that's not in Oregon. That is in. Wisconsin so will you go ahead and kind of paint the picture of where you're at
0: yeah we're a suburb just outside of Madison Um, it's about a 10 minute drive into Madison from here Um, just on the southern southeast a little bit of Madison Um, I mean our kids have the luxury if you will of being super close to the city so they have some opportunities that you know, when I was in New Glarus before I started here that those kids didn't necessarily have because it's a little bit of a further drive. So they have some, you know, additional offerings, if you will, in terms of club opportunities and camps and clinics, you know, beyond those that would be offered here at school alone. Um, So it is kind of nice geography wise to be so close, um, yet kind of have that smaller town feel as a suburb.
1: And we've we talked about, or I talked about you being in the cohort, the NI or NI cohort. And um, we've had a couple of the alums that were from our class together that would have been on this podcast. So a couple of them have told me you got a bar to live up to. Uh, that may have been more of the wrestler in Jim Harris that has said that. Uh, but you know what we kind of we kind of developed in that cohort. So uh, for those who may be. Now, I'm gonna do a shameless plug here and let you kind of talk about that journey and what you what do you think you gain the most out of that NIAAA cohort and would you recommend others to do that?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know the biggest thing for me in signing up is it was you know can I can I do this, right? It's a commitment once a month to the actual meeting, but then there's some kind of coursework that that goes into the process. Um, and after a month, maybe two, I was completely sold on, you know, this, this was the right decision. Um, you know, the conversations every month were really thought provoking and there was so much that we could learn from one another just in those convos. But then the actual kind of homework assignments or the prompts that we would respond to each month really allowed for reflection into what we were doing at the local level. And then you could read everybody else's responses and think about, you know, what are they doing that I could bring, you know, to where I am to better myself, my kids, my coaches, you know, my community as a whole. So there was so much that I stole from that, both in my my former school and here now, that I wouldn't have had exposure to had I not, you know, kind of taken that plunge and, and gone with the cohort.
1: And you got to meet Cousin Eddie, which is great
0: for you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's cool too how they set it up. You know, you're in you're in your big cohort, but then within that, you're kind of in little pods, if you will. So, like some of our conversations and discussions, as you'll remember, we were in smaller groups of four or five, and each of those groups kind of had an assigned mentor. And then there were parts of it where we were full group, and there was you know all twenty of us together. So, I mean, it was it was really well done the blend of how that cohort was, was operated.
1: So that's my shameless plug. I'll second everything Brittany said. It was a lot of fun. I made some great lifelong friends and some great administrative networking was done in that group and people that we still, I mean, there was an exchange yesterday, a text exchange of people trying to get some, some information from that group. So I know this isn't the NIAAA podcast, but, We get to deal with administrators and athletic administrators across the country, and Brittany and I are both graduates, if you will, of the NIAAAU cohort, and both highly recommend it. So enough about that, enough about me being Cousin Eddie. Uh, Let's talk about some stories, Brittany. Let's talk about some stuff that you have been through that gives us an opportunity to, let's have some fun, let's laugh, let's look back on it and say, hey, how did this really happen, and how did I get better? So start us off with a story.
0: Okay, so I have no firefighting experience in my background. I'll just make that plug. This is good. I'm just so happy you started father. the story this way. <laughs> I do have a brother-in-law who is a fire medic. So that's about as close as I've come to firefighting. So I'm in the gym. I just got done doing starting lineups as announcing. So it, it's a small school. About, there was about 300 kids in our school. So we didn't necessarily have play-by-play announcing during the game. So it was we would announce the starting lineups, turn the mic off, and that was done. And so most often, either myself or my principal kind of were the ones doing those announcing because I didn't have anyone who you know really wanted to. So I get done announcing, turn the mic off, get, they start the game. All of a sudden, my supervisor comes up to me and says, hey, Brittany, there's a car smoking in the parking lot. And I'm thinking, oh, man, here we go. Like, I hope it's not a kid smoking. You know, I hope it's an adult who just doesn't know, you know, you can't smoke on school grounds, whatever. So I kind of take my time walking out there. I get out the door and there is smoke billowing from the front of a car in the parking lot. So I'm thinking it's a cigarette, you know, someone's smoking. No, no, no. It's smoke like fire smoke. So I'm like, oh, okay. So, you know, kind of pick up my pace a little bit and get a little closer to the car. There's a few people kind of standing around. I'm like, did someone call 911? Yeah, yeah. You, you know, we just made the call. And I was like, okay. And in New where this happened, it's a small town, small village. The um, fire department is all volunteer-based, so there's nobody at the station, per se. Super old school, there's a fire bell that goes off in the village when they need, you know, the firefighters to respond. So I'm waiting to hear, you know, when is the bell going to go off? You know, when is the siren going to go? So eventually I hear it, but then everybody has to drive down to the station to get in the trucks to come to school. Right, so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, how long is this going to take? And at this point, I don't see any flames, it's still just smoke, but the smoke is thickening. So I'm like, I better go get a fire extinguisher. And I'm a I'm a I was a fire teacher too, and I'm like, I know there's one in the gym, but keep in mind there's a varsity basketball game being played in the gym. So I sneak in the gym, I grab the first fire extinguisher I see, or I know where one is, and I run back outside. So I'm like, okay. Think back to elementary school. What was the acronym for how to use this thing? (laughs) Well, it's PASS, pull, aim, squeeze, sweep, right? So, you know, I I get the thing open and I get ready and so I start spraying. Well, (laughs) I'm spraying the top of the car. Well, all the smoke and the flames are under the hood. So I'm pretty sure I didn't do a darn thing. (laughs) All of a sudden, my fire extinguisher is cached. And you know, like, the crowd gathering is bigger, and I'm like, I need another fire extinguisher. So I run back inside. I grab another fire extinguisher out of the gym. And this whole time I ran past the closest fire extinguisher, which was in the entrance to the school. Like just tunnel vision. I know where one is, I'm gonna go get it. I ran past that thing, I think, three or four times, and still never used it. So I get back outside, pull open the fire extinguisher. I'm spraying again. So I'm getting a little bit closer to the vehicle this time. You know, I tried to like spray under a little bit if I could. Cash it. Dang it! It's still smoking. Run back inside. So somebody else grabbed another fire extinguisher too. So we kept spraying. We kept spraying. I think we went through five fire extinguishers. <laughs> when the first off-duty. Um, Firefighter showed up. He lived closer to the school, so he came straight over instead of driving down to the station. So I'm like, oh, thank, thank the Lord! Like this guy's here. He's a professional. This guy put me to shame. He opened his fire extinguisher. He laid on the ground under the hood of the car and started spraying like up into the engine area. And I'm like, Mm-mm. like no, I've seen movies. You know what happens with car fires? They explode. That's what's gonna happen. So. I was getting no closer to that car. And this, this man is laying underneath of it, spraying. And he actually was able to extinguish a lot of it prior to the trucks arriving. So I was like, well, oh, I guess. <laughs> Had I known. But I, you know, the whole time I'm thinking this car is going to blow. Every car next to it is going to catch fire because it's in the middle of a parking lot. So the trucks ended up arriving, you know, they sprayed it down. They actually ended up dinging a car next to them with like their gear. So then we had to process through whose car was that? We got to go find the owner, let them know. But what a crazy experience. So that's my first and only taste as a firefighter. And I hope to never need those skills again. I feel like you're really embodied like, like 80s worst nightmares here because you're working a game you're doing your thing you're the you're the admin that's there that night like you're supposed to be able to fix everything and anything and unfortunately for you this night it included a fire that's awful that's terrifying and like good thinking about you know like i don't know keeping your cool i guess in a heated situation ah dustin i took Uh, that from you
1: i see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) you know i i got a couple questions for you Brittany. i'm just gonna i'm gonna fire them out there you know me i'm just kind of whatever comes to my mind did you check to see if anybody was in the car
0: honestly i don't think i did yeah (laughs) (laughs) i told you there was a crowd when i got there so i'm hoping maybe one of them did
1: yeah you were assuming so
0: that's bad though that's bad
1: (laughs) My other question is, okay, you sprayed the hood or on top of the car, which was not the source of the flame. (laughs) So it really accomplished nothing in this process. At what point did you alarm the people inside the arena that this was going on outside the arena? Was the message delivered to the person whose car it was that says, oh, by the way, (laughs) your car caught on fire and you're probably not driving it home?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of the game, it was just business as usual. So I think a few people were alerted when I ran in a few different times to grab fire extinguishers because I grabbed the two on the near entrance. But then like one of the times I ran in front of the bleachers to get to the far end. So, you know, if anybody saw me, they were probably like, what is she doing? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so the game just went on. So it wasn't until, you know, after the fire was put out, they ran the plate on the car told me the name of the person and said, you know, can you go find this person? So go inside, find the guy. It was the the boyfriend of like one of the player's siblings or something. So it wasn't even necessarily anyone that I knew. So I had to start asking around, hey, do you guys know who, you know, so-and-so is? (laughs) So we eventually find the guy and we're like, um, so your car started on fire in the parking lot. And he's like, what? So he had no clue. He was inside watching the game. You know, most of the patrons were already inside when this all started. So there wasn't a huge crowd outside, but anybody who came late stayed out to watch the show outside instead of the game inside. I was so under the impression that like the owner was in this crowd of people and like, but no. So the a person who actually owned the vehicle had no idea this was occurring was inside the gym. Correct. How does a car start on fire that does not just off in a parking lot? It's, I still have no clue how it started. They said it was something mechanical. Um, and they ended up, you know, towing it out of the lot. But then that char spot stayed in the parking lot until they like resealed it several years later.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So none of these people next to you, around, gathered around. They were just spectators, like at a baseball. They were just watching the show. They weren't <laughs> contributing and saying, "Hey, I'll run and get a fire extinguisher," or "Here, let me get under the car." They were just all watching. Nope.
0: nope. One other person came and helped, and it was my supervisor, and she had a fire extinguisher in her classroom, which was actually bigger than the ones like in the gym. So she was like, oh, I know where another one is. It's in my room. So like same mentality as me, ran right past the one in the entrance, which again, we never even touched.
1: <laughs> so I make this statement all the time and it probably is, I'll I'll think twice about using it now, but I tell my wife all the time that a firefighter never knows when he's going to be called out. He's just got to go. And that's pretty much what an AD's life is like. You were a real life firefighter. What well, kind of. You were a uh fire extinguished sprayer, but I don't know that you were a firefighter if that makes any
0: sense. Yeah, I was a substitute for a few brief moments, <laughs> and I no. don't know that I would be given another contract so <laughs> so I like to try to like put myself in like the situations that are like crazy like this, right? so you might I run to this thought you said you know someone's car got dig next to him. Did you ever have any thoughts of like potentially trying to find those people and getting them to move their cars? Not me. No. Cause I had no clue like who any of the cars belonged to. And you know, I'm just standing there like, now what do I do? You know, the professionals mm-hmm. are here. What's my role now? And so I just kind of, you know, gathered the cached fire extinguishers that we had used off to the side. Cause I'm thinking we got to get these refilled. I don't even know how you do that. We need them back <laughs> in the gym. <laughs> Because, you know, what happens if we need them again? So I was just kind of doing all that stuff and waiting for directions from the pros.
1: So I'm guessing, and this may just be an assumption on my part, but I'm assuming they didn't ask you to volunteer to be on the fire department there in, in that town or village. Nope, as you still, call it.
0: still waiting for that invite.
1: Yeah. And since you've moved <laughs> locations, you're probably not getting that one.
0: I think you're. Uh, I think you're onto something there. <laughs> okay, but but in a, on a positive twist, I feel like if you ever had a car fire again, like you would excel. You would be so good at mm-hmm. I'd want you in my parking lot if there was a car fire. I'd, I'd be willing to get a little closer next time. <laughs> on the, the ground underneath.
1: <laughs> so let's talk about takeaways from this particular situation, Brittany. As you look back on it now and yeah, it's crazy in the moment. And as wild as that was for you, we talk about with Cole Kanyer, who was one of our uh, cohort members. He didn't have a live chicken plan for what <laughs> happened at his game. You don't have a car on fire in the parking lot plan. So what takeaways do you take from that situation of if that were to happen again, as crazy as that situation was, What would you do and how would that situation have impacted the the decisions you make moving forward?
0: Well, you know, I think one of the things is to kind of pause in the moment and not necessarily have that one-track mind like I had. You know, it was, I know where a fire extinguisher is, I'm going to get it. Well, if I would have just opened my eyes as I re-entered the building, I would have found one a lot closer than, you know, where the one was that I ultimately pulled first. Um, You know, I think the other part, I shared in our cohort that, you know, I I sometimes feel like an air traffic controller in that, you know, you've got stuff going on in the air, you've got stuff on the ground level, you know, there's all these different pieces at play. And so if I would have kind of channeled that a little bit, I could have maybe given some direction to some of those people who are standing around. Hey, can you go get me another fire extinguisher? You know, Hey, stay on the phone with 911. You know, what did they say in terms of a timeline? You're just kind of asking some of that stuff instead of tunnel vision, fire extinguisher, spray it. I'm out now. What? I hope to not need those skills again.
1: Right. (laughs) I hope that for you as well. But I think about being in that spot and one, one thing I'm terrible at is delegation. I just want to Mm -hmm. solve the problem. I see the problem. I want to fix the problem, but sometimes you've got a herd of people there that you could have employed to say, Hey, here's a fire extinguisher at this location, go get it. Or you could have, you could have done a whole lot of more things than, you know, thinking back in the moment and we get in that moment as administrators, we think I've just got to solve this problem. Um, And I think as you sit back and look at it now, it's a growth opportunity for you. Yeah. You don't want to go through that again. And you hope you never have another car fire in a parking lot. Uh, I'm assuming it was cold weather because it was during basketball season and it's Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't probably sunny and 75 outside. Uh, So trying to employ more people, trying to understand the situation that you're in. And I think that's a big point that you make and probably more deep uh, than we were ready to jump off into, to start with the air, the air traffic control Mm -hmm. portion of that. But the reality is, Sometimes you've got to step back and take a look, an overall view, and do that 30,000-foot view instead of right there at ground level trying to figure out the exact problem and trying to solve just it.
0: Well, who knows? There could have been a firefighter in the gym. You know, someone who would have maybe only needed two extinguishers instead of the, (laughs) like, four or five that we used.
1: (laughs) Or didn't use. I mean, just sprayed, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, Did it really accomplish anything?
0: (laughs) And you know, and you know, you always hear ADs like you say, Hey, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, putting out fires, putting out fires. But like Brittany really did. She like really got to be like Yeah, I did. We're giving her credit for it, it Doctor. She's taking Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) it didn't blow up. That's (laughs) That's awesome. It didn't
0: blow up. (laughs) Yeah, I see a lot
1: of movies. I've seen some some cars blow up.
0: Um Wait, I that's it. Hollywood's not out. real? Do what? Hollywood's not real?
1: Well, Jim established that because <laughs> I found out that they didn't have night games. Remember the Titans? I promise you there are night home games on Remember the Titans and Jim swears that there's not.
0: This is two times Until we not. found out Hollywood's lying to us. Twice. Mhm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I <mean. laughs> well, Brittany, I hope you never have to deal with that again. And yeah. I hope nobody else has to deal with that, to be honest with you. But if they do and they need some pointers, I would say call you. But I don't know that um, <laughs> I don't know what pointers you'll give them except for lay on the ground and try to spray underneath like that guy did.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, now I know where fire extinguishers are. It's something I'm more cognizant of. You know, we all know where the AED is, you know, in our school. So now I'm starting, okay, I'm
1: in the gym. Where are they? Well, it's like the AED, you hope you never have to use it. You know what it is, but you hope that never has to be done. Fire extinguishers in my life, I haven't had to use them. So I probably am going to be more cognizant of it now because of your story, just to know, all right, if situation of fire truly breaks out, where am I going to try to solve this before? Because I live in the same kind of, I won't call it a village. I don't know if that's a... Wisconsin term or what we call it a town here. Uh, (laughs) Our town is uh, all volunteer firefighters as well. And so it takes them a while. And I've got a fire story. I started a fire on my lawn on Christmas day. Um, I didn't, my son did, but
0: it erupted
1: quickly. And there is no more helpless feeling than a fire that you can't control. Uh, And there's no, there was no end in sight. Neighborhoods, the whole neighborhood was in danger. I was fighting it with a water hose, and that's all, all I could do. <laughs> Crazy world, you know. Wait, wait,
0: wait. I say, wait, wait, wait. So you've been over here for the last like five, ten minutes making fun of Brittany for her skills, and you're out there with a garden hose on your fire on your own lawn. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> do you have a fire extinguisher sitting in your house? I do. My, uh,
0: <laughs> Yes, actually. I do. Yeah. Okay, so
1: you could use that, but have you seen a grass fire? No,
0: No, sir.
1: Did you start that on
0: purpose?
1: Like Brittany's... No, it wasn't on purpose. Uh, My son checked the the firewood box, and a spark flew out of there, and it caught the grass, and it was dry, and the wind happened to catch it, and it was just... Again, we're focused on a story for me. This is about <laughs> Brittany, and we're trying to talk about Brittany and not my hazard that happened on Christmas Day. But the fire department didn't show up and put it out.
0: <laughs>
1: Thank uh-huh. you for professionals. Yeah, I
0: mean, <laughs> well, and, and, and luckily, yeah. and uh, also, like kudos to you, Brittany for nobody getting hurt. That was actually, you know, a dangerous situation. You had spectators who are just you know, watching and and gawking at what's going on. And you um, not only made sure the cars next to it didn't get burned, but you made sure nobody that was actually there got hurt. So I think this was a W for you. Dustin doesn't count on this. W for Brittany. Uh, (laughs) Well, then, like, you know, the flip side is, you know, once the fire department's there and they're spraying all the water, you know, it's winter in Wisconsin. So what happens to the water? Well, it freezes. So now we've got ice, right? So it's okay. Let's go get some salt and throw it, you know, all over this area because we don't want the spectators slipping as they exit or, you know, the kids coming to school the next day. So yeah, that was the, uh, it's a whole nother a whole nother, yeah, a whole nother level. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm
1: thinking you go straight hockey mode there. You got ice. There's a makeshift <laughs> rink. Just go play hockey. Just start checking some people out there in the parking lot, Brittany.
0: There were too many cars. <laughs> oh, <okay>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying that that thought process might have come through your mind? No,
0: but it's not a bad idea. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> Next time. <laughs>
1: to tap into your comment about air traffic control you said you had a couple stories floating around there um do 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 see how that happened again there
0: Mm -hmm. dr LePoint.
1: uh pull that one out of the air very well Mm -hmm. want to share with us that gets us off Mm -hmm. this firefighter deal or lack of firefighter (laughs) deal
0: i mean you didn't want to keep going with the puns i mean (laughs) i can if you'd like i'm here all day they get out of control sometimes you don't want to okay. don't want to let that loose <laughs> all right I have one that's like somewhat air related so I'll set the scene homecoming right homecoming's a big deal in a lot of communities so in this is back in new Glarus too we we do a parade and the kids get out of school early um the high school kids are just dismissed for the day because a lot of them are involved in the floats and and whatever so they're just dismissed for the day the middle and the elementary school kids, they can be excused by a parent, but a lot of times they stay with their class and then the class walks somewhere along the parade route. So the middle school kids walk further towards towards downtown, if you will, um, and the elementary school kids kind of stay closer to where the school is so they don't have to walk as far. Well, a colleague and I were both pregnant at the time, so we're like, okay, we're going to go and walk just a little bit and then we're going to sit on the curb to watch the parade. So, you know, my stuff was happening in the evening with the game, right? So I wasn't heavily involved in the parade itself. So, you know, we we plop our pregnant selves down on the in <laughs> you know, the sidewalk um, on the curb, and we're, you know, watching the parade, you know, talking to the kids. And all of a sudden, I get smoked in the forehead with a blow pop. Cool. Came off of the came off of a float. From a middle school football team. And mind you, I was teaching middle school Phi Ed at the time. So these are my students, right? Every day I'm interacting with these kids. And to this day, I don't know if it was intentional or not. The kid has never confessed that it was him, but I know exactly who it was. Um, so anyways, I get smoked in the forehead with a blow pop. It busts my forehead open. So I am now profusely bleeding, (laughs) sitting on the curb during the homecoming parade. And I was like, this isn't good. Like, this this is a lot of blood. So I use the sleeve of my jacket to try and plug it as I start walking back towards the building. And the whole time I'm ticked because I had to leave all my candy behind. Remember, I was pregnant. I wanted that candy. I left all the candy behind in my puddle of blood as I'm walking back up to the school to like try and stop the bleeding so you know there's blood like dripping all down my arm you know it's all over my my fleece at the time and the other girl who was with me she ran ahead to try and get them to call the nurse to come and look at me because you know she saw the blood and kind of freaked out so I finally get inside and all of a sudden like in comes the superintendent and like in comes the nurse and then all of a sudden the principal's there and I was like well I didn't need like all this attention but you know someone called on the radio that this happened you know Brittany got smoked with a blow pop she's bleeding everywhere (laughs) and all these people are coming to figure out like what's going on so you know I kind of ran them through you know and I'm sitting there you know got hit with the blow pop you know my forehead busted open whatever So after probably like 15 minutes, I finally got it to like slow down and the nurse kind of looks at it and she's like, you, you might need stitches. And I was like, are you kidding me? Now, remember I told you I was an athlete and I'm still an athlete and I have never in my life had stitches playing hockey, (laughs) playing soccer, none of it. And then here I am at the homecoming parade and I get hit with a sucker in the forehead and I have to go for potential stitches. So... I drive up to Madison to urgent care and I'm, you know, in the waiting room and then I finally get seen and she, the the doctor is like, you know, I don't, I don't know that I can really stitch that. It, it, it might not be needed. She said, so I'm going to glue it. And I was like, okay, you know, I, I, another day where I've avoided stitches at this point. So she glues it and probably for a couple days, you know, it darkened and darkened, you know, the scab with the glue. So it was this big, essentially black spot now on my forehead. So a couple days later, you know, people started saying, oh, there's a fly on your forehead because it was just this, you know, black spot sitting there and people thought it was a fly. So I kept having to, you know, retell the story. It's not a fly, you know, it's, it's a scab <laughs> I got smoked to the blow pop, by a kid. So I ended up actually missing the football game, the homecoming football game, you know, like the biggest Whoa. night of an 80s career in terms of the mayhem that is homecoming because I was that urgent care and then I had this, you know, big bruise and swelling on my forehead because of a blow pop. So in subsequent years, they really preached to the kids, underhand tosses, you know, roll the candy. We're not throwing candy. It was crazy. Hey, I have two questions. The, fir- the first is, was it the quarterback? It had to have been the quarterback, right? Never. <laughs> like, it was not. I was going to say, for, for a middle school kid to, to throw it so hard that it sent you to the urgent care, I feel like, I mean, maybe he should have been the quarterback. Like, maybe you guys right. had the positioning wrong on that one. Um, And then, you know, you missed the homecoming game obviously that wasn't planned and that just speaks volumes to I'm assuming everything went fine at the homecoming game so that speaks volumes to um you as an AD and and having people there to support it in case you weren't there um and I feel like that's a that's a good thing to kind of talk about because these things happen randomly and now you're not at the biggest game that you need to be at and it's still it still went on maybe not as perfectly as you would have liked but it still happens. So that's awesome. That support. We've talked about that many times in many different episodes, like the support of an AD is just so, so big. And um, yeah.
1: I feel like we've just skipped a whole session, a segment of this that we really need to drill down into. We can't go to takeaways without asking some more questions. (laughs) Daniel, you can't just get to this point where we're just going to kind of gloss over what all happened
0: we weren't done. It wasn't a wrap-up. It was just like oh. a quick thought. It was just like, <laughs> I was just thinking about, she just like very not, like like nonchalantly at the end was like, oh, it was a homecoming game. Like, no, that's a big deal. Like, you have everything in place. And the fact that everything just probably went fine because we didn't get a portion of that story, I think is impressive. So now you may. Badger her. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> Badger. See what she did there? Wisconsin
0: badgers. Uh, so,
1: as, as, as I think about this, this moment, uh, I can't get into being pregnant. I mean, I, I witnessed my wife being pregnant, but I can't relate to that side of things. Um, but you said you said you were a former athlete or still an athlete um, and you got smoked with a blow pop in the forehead. So one I, one or two questions, either were you an easy target or was it an intentional? Were you a target because you were pregnant or was it intentional because they're like, hey, there's my teacher and this is a <laughs> chance to get back at her?
0: I'm hoping it's the latter. <laughs> but who knows, Right. So the kids, you know, at the end, you know, everybody's, you know, who did it, who did it, who did it, whatever. And there was a kid on the team who had a history of kind of getting into some trouble. So they're all pointing fingers at this kid. And I know for a fact, it was not that kid and you know everyone's continuing to blame him and like to the point that like I even got a follow-up phone call from his mom saying like we're so sorry and I had to like talk her off a ledge and say no it it actually wasn't your kid you know I I know people are blaming him but I can tell you with 100% certainty that it was not him and she was like oh (laughs) so you know I think like you know mindset wise I was trying to think through you know so much stuff happens during the day that maybe you just kind of start to believe everything that that's relayed that you don't pause for a a moment to question it, if you will. So I think that was a learning opportunity kind of both ways um, in that relationship, but the kid never did confess, um, you know, that the team issued me a a written letter of apology (laughs) because again, the kid never fessed up to it, so they kind of went at it as a team in terms of saying they were sorry.
1: So yeah. let me ask this question. You said you were a, you still fashion yourself as an athlete or a kind of an athlete. Mm-hmm. Were you actually calling for the blow pop and say, hey, throw it to me, <laughs> and then you missed it, you whiffed on the catch, and it hit you in the forehead?
0: Negative. So when the... When the folks come along, you know, there's 20, 30 kids on the float, right? And they all have their bag of candy. So it's just us two pregnant folks sitting there and there's nobody else around us. Cause we were like, Oh, we're not going to walk very far. We're going to plop it like right here near the front of the parade route. So there's nobody else around us. So we're some of the first people they see. So they all get a handful and start, you know, launching. And so I I I think there was an attempt to kind of swat, if you will, but clearly not the greatest swatting if I missed probably the largest item that came my way.
1: So so Steve Throne (laughs) and his swatting of the feminine products, you did not get to employ Uh that or you missed that blow pop.
0: Yes. And I would have preferred a feminine product. (laughs) (laughs) Way softer. Way softer. softer. Yeah. And it might not have even made it to me. Who knows? (laughs) How is your relationship now with blow pops? Do you like them? Um, I actually still enjoy eating them, um, (laughs) but I prefer not to have them tossed my way because I have the little scar to show for it on my forehead.
1: Uh, I mean these are these are two quality stories to start <laughs> off this build. Yeah, <laughs> and you know Becky Moran got labeled as Three Socks Moran. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out what your nickname's going to be coming out of Blow Pop Britney. And mm-hmm. I know you still have another one to come <laughs> but I mean I I'm, I'm just enamored and, and I think um I think we go back to the question that that. Danielle got to way before I was ready to, but takeaways that you that you take away from this situation, knowing um, do you do strategically place yourself somewhere different in the homecoming route because they're so eager at the beginning of, you know, how did you have the game covered? How did you make sure all that was taken care of? Because as you said, you weren't responsible for the homecoming parade. You were more responsible for the game and that had to carry on In spite of your blow pop injury?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you, I never sat along the parade route again. I always stood. So that helped, I think, not get clocked in the subsequent years. Um, You know, but in terms of the game, it was just, you know, I maintained conversation with everybody who was, you know, back at school. Um, You know, the soup stepped up, uh, the elementary principal helped out. Um, The interesting piece. There at the time is that actually the high school principal was the head football coach, so you know he couldn't really help with the game because he was coaching, right? Right. And so I didn't even you know try to interact with him because I was like that's you know I I need to separate the two and so he can't help with that. So I mean it was the elementary principal, you know I already had all the other workers set and established, so it was just you know here's the things I typically do on game night. You know can you try and assign them or pick them up yourself and they were like yep we got it you know don't worry about us
1: so so you talked about you don't sit at a on a parade route anymore and i know in in football they talk about keeping your head on a swivel and just kind of being alert of all that's going on and i think these two stories kind of relate because you had to have your head on a swivel with a fire in the car and then also now in this situation so do you have a head on the swivel is that a hockey terminology as well that they tell you to keep your head on the swivel so you don't get clocked from behind
0: well it is but not necessarily so you don't get clocked but so that you don't lose track of where the players are on the ice because you don't you never want to get beat kind of on the backside in hockey because it can potentially be an easy goal so it's it's head on a swivel you know where is everybody in relation to you
1: and, and kudos to you for having your teeth, because I've seen hockey players that don't have teeth.
0: <laughs> I still, to this day, wear a cage when I play. There are plenty of others who don't, but no thank you.
1: And a cage means a mask, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, okay. the full face covering. Okay, you really don't know to,
1: anything about hockey, do you? We have to explain <laughs> things to Danielle sometimes. No, no no, sure no, yeah. no, 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 mm-hmm. no,
0: I want to clarify that I married a Canadian, so my hockeyness is up there. I and I live in Tampa Lightning. I mean,
1: I've been there. Come on. I've I watched a game there.
0: <laughs> awesome, That's awesome place experience? to watch a game. It,
1: <laughs> it, it it is it is an intriguing sport. Um, And they used to say, the way I was told, in in Oklahoma and Arkansas, they would say, you go to a fight and hope a hockey game breaks out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, maybe next year at Nationals, we can uh, try and catch a game if there's one. Yeah, because
1: they have a a, a professional hockey league or a hockey team there in Nashville, don't they?
0: They do, the Predators.
1: The Predators. Um, See, and if you think back to Christmas vacation, I think Clark wore a <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks jersey and the Blackhawks are a you. hockey team still.
0: Yep. So yep.
1: anyway, there's a whole lot of correlation to this that's going hand in hand to my introduction. <laughs> None of this was staged. This was just off, just stuff happening. So uh, enough about hockey, I guess. Well, you may have a hockey story, but is there another story, Brittany, you want to hit us with?
0: All right. I've got one final one, which is a little bit more predictable in terms of the AD world, right? So we've gone through our what if scenarios. So what happens at a game when the lights go out? Well, I had three exposures to this. So the first one is in the gym at a basketball game. Um, It was a freak accident. You know, the light switches are just like a traditional light switch in a house where, you know, you flip it on, flip it off and it's just right there on the wall. So there's a mother taking pictures and she's leaning against the wall and she accidentally, you know, flicks the light off, you know, so all of a sudden whistles are blowing and, you know, the game has stopped and I knew exactly where the light switches were. And so it was really easy to, to pinpoint that it was accidentally flicked. And, you know, I just, Pointed out to the woman, just make sure you know you watch out for the switches in the future. So no big deal, right? The game goes on. Well, the second time it happened was at a football game. And we had the old school lights where you know each each set of lights was on a pole, and then there was a a master switch, if you will, for each side. And we just had a little cover on them, but the covers were not locked. So sometimes small children would run around, believe it or not, they don't always come to watch the game. So they do kind of run it around and all of a sudden the whole set of lights goes off on the far, the visitor side of the field. Well, you can't just power those lights back on right away because it was the old school style where they had to completely power down before you could turn them off. So, you know, whistles blow. I know exactly where the light switch is, you know, walk over there, but I can't do anything because they were still dimming. So we had to, probably at least a 10-minute delay in the game before we could turn the light switch back on and then wait for them to fire back up because it's not the instant on and off, Mm -hmm. you know, like we have inside. So we got a little lock and, you know, put it on the the light switch controller so that no further children could impact the light at football. So like that kind of stunk, but, you know, again, learning experience. Let's move on. So now, fast forward to this year, it's my last game as AD in New Glarus before I took my (laughs) job here in Oregon. And it's our last home game before the old school lights are being replaced, right? We just got to get through one more game. Well, so we fire up the lights, you know, before the game starts, flip the switch, everything's good, right? Well, as the game progresses and, and it gets darker, I noticed that one whole set of lights is not even on, like the whole side. So it actually was our home side. So there's three poles with lights on them. And I'm going, oh, gosh, oh, gosh, oh, gosh. So go down there, you know, flick the switch off, flick it back on, nothing. So I'm calling our our maintenance guy who actually is an official himself. And I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, he's at a game. Like, he's not even going to take my call. Thankfully, he didn't have a game that night. And I called, and I was like, hey, the lights won't turn on on the southern side, like the whole set, all three poles. And he's like, all right, I'll be right over to take a look. So he comes flying in, and like the panel where the, the controllers and everything were, it just stunk. Like the, like something was not right. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, do I need a fire extinguisher again? Like, is this going to go off? Like, What is going on? So... He calls an electrician that he had. So there's a dad in the district who, who was an electrician. So that guy's like, all right, you know, I'm a few minutes away. I'll come over. And it's halftime at this point in the game. And, you know, people are kind of starting to notice that the bank, of lights isn't on. So I go inside and alert the officials, you know, hey, the lights are not working on half of the field. And we've got an electrician on the way, who knows if they're going to be able to fix it or not, like, you know, just wanted to let you know. So then they're like, okay, let's have a meeting with the head coaches when they come out of the locker room. And remember, my head coach is my principal. So (laughs) we get on the field and, you know, we're we're pointing out what the issue is, you know, the electrician's coming, he's going to work on it. We're just not sure what's going to happen. So we're talking about what are some possibilities, you know, as we get towards the fourth quarter, because it's going to be dark at that point. You know, we could just play, you know, in towards one half of the field as needed. You know, we could play as, you know, scheduled and hope for the best. you know, whatever. So we decided we're just going to play and kind of see what happens. So we were throwing towards the quote unquote darker side um, in the third quarter. They kind of managed through, you know, the kids were saying, you know, coach, I, I couldn't see the ball, I couldn't catch it. And we were like,
1: mm-hmm. Likely
0: excuse, right? So then it gets to the fourth quarter, and our opponent at this point is like pitching a fit about how dark it is. You know, we need to switch and, and go the other way. And my coach is saying, No, you know, we already talked this through we were going to kind of let it ride and see, you know, we threw towards the dark already, whatever. So thankfully, shortly thereafter, the electrician was able to kind of like bypass something where he was able to kind of like force the lights to turn back on and get kind of through the night. But it was like one of those horror stories where it was, you know, how do you complete this game with half of the field lit and the other half in the dark? So it was almost like every throwing play went towards the right side of the field because that's where the lights were, where the kids could potentially see to catch the ball. And then, you know, some rushing plays maybe came to the left where kind of who cared, but we were talking about, do we drive some buses over here and like turn the lights on on the bus? Do we like redirect cars? I mean, those were all things we tossed out and it was just insane, but like, what a way to go out. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you, you, said, you said a few phrases in there where you're you talking about lights and you were, you had three exposures. I don't know if you have exposures with no light, but that's a whole nother comment that we can discuss at another time. But then you <laughs> talked about the dark side. Um, and there's so many things that you want to tell your kids, avoid the dark side. There's so many stories and parallels and learning opportunities just from avoiding the dark side. Um, In that situation but it was your last game with those lights was it your last game before you came to Oregon
0: no we actually have the new lights this fall
1: okay and you were still there okay Uh, so think about those moments you know we've had lights go out at our field a couple times and it's amazing the number of electricians you have that bring in Brainiac ideas that just say, Hey, Dustin, did you know the lights are out? <laughs> no, get out of here. <laughs> I had no idea.
0: <laughs> I yeah, had people tell you that too. Yeah. And with live streaming now and more frequency, you know, you're getting, you know, messages from people who are watching too, saying, you're like, Hey, it looks kind of dark and, you know, stuff like that. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. I noticed. <laughs> you know, First of all, this is like, I don't know why this is always one of my fears, like with thunderstorms, losing electricity here in Florida, like losing the lights and we had the old school gym, um, lights in the gym too. So mm-hmm. when they would go off in the gym too, you had to, because sometimes we would, you know, when there's a thunderstorm, you just get like a blink of light. Well, And those old school lights, that makes a difference, right? They go off, they take forever to turn back on. So this is like a very real fear of mine. I had plans for the gym, softball field, baseball field, like football field, if this ever happened. But there's a side note to this story I have a question about. So you've mentioned twice now that your principal was your football coach. And I just want to ask you about this dynamic because the way that I kind of look at this, right? The principal is your boss. You answer to him. You say, this is what we're going to do with that. But the coach, you are over the coach and the coach has to answer to you to say, this is, you know, you tell them this is what we're going to do. This is why we're going to do it. So how was that? I've never heard of a head coach being a principal before. So how was that dynamic? Was that an interesting thing to kind of work through? We actually had a really good relationship. So I was or he got hired as principal, like very similar time frame as to kind of when I got hired as AD. So like we both had been teaching previously, so we knew each other kind of from before that. And he was the football coach then, but then he actually kind of stepped away for a little bit while he you know started to establish roots as principal. Well, then we had an opening in the position and he kind of said, you know, I'm, I'm ready to come back. Um, kind of went through the interview process and, and he's who the job went to. So I would sometimes, you know, ask, "Am I talking to the doctor because he was a a doctor, or am I talking to like the coach?" So we would sometimes try and differentiate, you know, are are, are you asking or are you telling? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just kind of a little something that we did to kind of distinguish what role are we in right now.
1: That that is a very unique dynamic because I I as well have never heard of a principal slash head football coach at the same. We've had an assistant principal who was our offensive coordinator, um, but here I don't report to the principal. I report to a superintendent. So that's kind of a different dynamic that you had maybe there in in your village uh, as you called mm-hmm. it uh, I don't know if that's just a term for town up there or what but um, mm-hmm. I think of villages back to uh, back to the old an- ancestry days of villages as opposed to towns so maybe they're town maybe they're towns and they're just called villages there but you think mm-hmm. about that dynamic as an ad and you got to go tell your football coach hey half the lights are out oh yeah you're my principal too but I know how competitive my football coach is, and especially if we're winning. Oh, we're playing. We're going to finish this game. We're going to figure out a way. Um, We were even on the road one time, and my wife was watching the live stream, and the lights went out of that place. And I immediately got a text from her that said, "Not your problem," because she knows (laughs) I'm going to try to figure it. I'm going to try to fix it because there was a problem. I'm going to meet and say, "What in the world?" And she just texted me and said, "Not your problem." Uh, And so sometimes we got to understand it's not our problem, but that was your problem. You had to fix that problem.
0: Well, yeah, and you got to fix the problem, but you don't have the resources to do it yourself, right? And you mentioned earlier, like, I'm terrible at delegating too. I'd rather just do it myself because then I know it's going to be done in a way that I'm okay with. Well, that's out of my wheelhouse. So I need to, you know, we need to get the pro involved, you know, someone who specializes in this because. I don't want to mess with electricity. Like I, I have no interest in getting zapped.
1: Well, and, and you were talking you that, about,
0: like that thing was stinking anyway. So like <laughs> I knew something wasn't quite right. Um, You know, you were talking about like the game and stuff, but there's like a whole bunch of other liabilities that can really come with that. Right. Cause if the field is dark, the stands are definitely dark. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, all the visitors on that side. So there's a lot of decision-making like you want to play the game. Like what Dustin said at right end point, like, Coach is like, oh, we're playing, we're playing, especially if they're winning, right? Like we're playing, this is happening. But you also have to be logical about it. Like, well, you know, there's a lot of liability. What if people are tripping over here and they can't see anything? What if if there's a fight or something that we can't really see because it's so dark? So there's a real, there's a lot that goes into into that decision. It's not just about the game sometimes. Well, and it's not like you have, you know, temporary lights that you can just set up. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it's a bigger issue. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think about all these three stories you talked about, you, you had, you got smoked on several different levels, a car smoking, <laughs> you got smoked with a blow pop, and then you don't want to be smoked by electricity. So there's, there's a name here, uh, Brittany Serious. getting smoked or not getting smoked.
0: Mm-hmm. That's the name. That's her nickname right there, Dustin. You just picked it.
1: I'm just going to call her Smoke. That's what mm-hmm. I'm going to call her. Smoke yep. from you Law. just
0: you nailed it right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: you talking to me? <laughs> so, so Brittany, as you look at these, this last story, your takeaways from that moment, um, in the moment of obviously when it first happens, we all get that moment of panic. What in the world am I going to do? I am not an expert electrician. I do not want to get zapped. I do not want to get fried. I do not want any part of that. But I don't want the people in the, that have paid to be here to miss what they're, they came here to be, to, to watch. And I don't want our kids to miss their opportunity to compete. So how do I solve the problem? And so past that initial panic, what takeaways do you have sitting back on it now or looking back on it now that you say, okay, if this happens again, which has happened in three times for you now, how do you handle Mm -hmm. this situation when it comes up?
0: Well, you know, one of your earlier episodes, I don't even remember which one it was. There was conversation about, you know, having certain people entered into your phone as contacts, kind of on a basis. Yes, yes, it was so, the animals. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. So it's okay. So I should probably know who that electrician would be that I should call, you know, should something come up, because you know our our maintenance guy, while while he's amazing and can do a lot of things, it's it out of his wheelhouse too, and he quickly realized that, and so he's the one who you know made that call. So. I bypassed him, I probably could, could have gotten to the solution a little bit quicker. But you know, like who are those people that I should have into my phone or you know, on a Google Doc somewhere where, where the, the information is readily available? Um, and I'm sure we put we paid a pretty penny to get him there, but I'll tell you, it was worth every penny.
1: <laughs> well, and I would say this even you look at the, the Google Forms. Or somebody else can access that because you may be smoked in the head with a blow pop and at ir- urgent care and not be able to <laughs> be there. So somebody's got to be able to put that. So the Google Docs is a great idea. So for our listeners that are maybe new ads that are trying to think through, who do I need to have? An electrician's a good one. A plumber's a good one to have. Somebody to call if there's a gas leak. You start thinking about some of these things mm-hmm. to remedy problems. Um, if you're Danielle, you got to have. A, Somebody can get a crocodile off a court. Alligator. Uh, Some of these things, obviously, you're not going to think through. But Mm -hmm. you think about some of these no-brainers now that you look back on it, things that you need to have. And in that moment, if you just said, hey, our electrician, I'll just call this person. They can get this solved because that's their wheelhouse. You're Mm -hmm. not a firefighter. You're not an electrician. Um, You've established that. You are a hockey player. Um, or kind of a three-on-three hockey player, whatever that is. <laughs> uh, kind of, I don't know what that—that that really is determined if that's really a hockey player or not. But the point of what I'm trying to say is, you've got to have—you've got to have those points of contact ready because there's going to be situations that you're not an expert for, um, and that's an important takeaway, at least from what I've heard from your stories today. Is to be able to have that network built to say, "All right, here's what's happening," and I think it even is more magnified because you may get smoked in the head with blow pop and not be there. So, how how is somebody else going to be able to contact those people?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I um to to go right off of that that conversation because Google Docs um, are a great idea. I think I 100 percent agree with that. But I had um, I was in a very old school, like 110 years old, so it didn't have the best service in certain spots. The hurricane shelter too so like those hardcore like cement block um construction doesn't really have good service so google docs i didn't re- rely on in case we couldn't get service at that time so um i also the other thing i did i know it's old school but i still stand by it unless someone has a much better idea other than it being in your phone is i made a little sheet for all of the people who would be like an admin on duty um it was tiny and i printed it and i color coded it and i had them um, like tape it or put it on the back of their IDs because you always have your ID when you're on campus right so that way if your phone is dead or you can't get wi-fi or if they just didn't forgot to put it in their phone too because you can't make people put stuff in their phone Um, on the back of their they, they had a whole bunch of phone numbers taped to the back of their ID so I know that's a little that's bit cool. more old school but that's an idea that I always, it made me feel better I guess knowing that everybody had immediate access to those numbers.
1: Well, and and you think about what Brittany had to do. She had to go talk to the officials too. I mean, you got to get them involved in that process, which they're going to say, we got to talk to the head coaches. We need to get them together. Uh, And so you got to know that plan, obviously, when that happens, what that process looks like. But I think the the badge idea or their idea is a great idea to have that printed out so people know exactly who to get a hold of um, because you may be you may not be right where you need to be at that moment and somebody else can say, Oh, I've already taken care of that. So when you come out to the car, that's on fire, Hey, I already know we've already called these people or whatever. So there's Mm -hmm. already a list of things going on. I like the idea.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It was just, it was just something when I was thinking about it, I was like, you have to have your ID to be on campus, right? Have to have it. So that's where it's going to go. So that's kind of what, but yeah, I, I recommend making up that little you got to use a little font though to get all those numbers on there
1: <laughs> yeah and hopefully they got, they got their glasses
0: if they mm-hmm, don't have mm-hmm.
1: well then and then
0: if, and if you need someone to call animal control or electrician you're like hey can you call the number on the your id like call it real quick you don't have to send them the number you don't have to make it a little bit faster and you know those minutes kind of add up like you were just saying maybe if you didn't have to go if custodian first, you could have just went directly to the source. So those minutes add up a little bit. And especially if something's down for like 10 or 15 minutes in the middle of the game, it does not feel like 10 or 15 minutes. It's like hours. But it feels like forever that that game has stopped.
1: And everybody's eyes are on you. And they're mm-hmm. trying to say, hey, you should do this, dummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you mm-hmm. fix this this way. And they're just waiting for you to perform like we're watching kids perform. And the kids mm-hmm. compete. Uh, that's our avenue to be able to step up and do what we're supposed to do. So, yeah. uh, man, Smoke, you've had some great stories today. <laughs> I'm, w- I'm way <laughs> pumped about how this has turned out because uh, <laughs> I can't wait till our cohort listens. And then I throw that out there to uh, mm-hmm. like Kelly Fish. I call her Ninja AD. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, ED. the nicknames that are sticking, I can't reveal Jim Harris's name yet. Um because I was sworn to secrecy, uh, his wrestling name. But um
0: it's good. Smoke it's is good, good though. I can okay, say it is, it's good. It is really good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Um
1: but but Brittany, I do appreciate you coming on. I appreciate your stories, I appreciate your honesty and um you know the the fun thing about this, and I sent you a text that said, Hey, let's just have some fun. And and I've had fun, and it may have been at your expense some. Uh, but I mean, you fired it out there talking about the blow pop incident, which I think is hilarious still. Um, but I appreciate your transparency and I appreciate your willingness to jump on here with us and spend some time with us and, and share some laughs with people who are listening across the country and across the world and hopefully some takeaways that will make them better.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity. It's always fun to kind of look back and reflect and learn and grow a little bit while laughing at yourself. <laughs> yeah. and. It- and it just capitalizes how many different hats ADs wears. You're you're all over the place. You're you got candy at you, you got fires at you, you got electricians. so yeah, it has been awesome talking to you. Thank you. I hope ADs definitely get some some laughs and some takeaways um from you. And thank you also to Ticket Spigot, who is our sponsor, who has made this episode and every episode possible. So awesome guys, thank you. Excited to be back next week.